Uh, if you've been following along, and actually I was uh, uh, speaking with uh, some folks earlier, and uh, they said this topic, this well series, could not have come at a more perfect time, and I couldn't agree more. Um, if you remember, we actually started uh, way before all this craziness was going on, um, but what we've been talking about is something that's so relevant to us now, and it just shows that God is truly working. Uh, what we've been talking about over the past few weeks is trusting in God, and what does it mean to trust in God? Um, and our theme verse uh, has been, uh, as you will see here on the screen, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. Um, so that, you know, <laughs> it's been a tough season for a lot of people, I think, in terms of this idea of trusting in God and their faith in God. But as you remember, what we talked about way back in week one, which seems like light years ago, um, basically what we talked about was that our faith is dynamic and not static. Um, our faith is, you know, it's either sometimes it's going up, uh, going up, sometimes it's going down, but it's not static. And our goal through the series is that we're understanding God a little bit more and more, understanding the characteristics of God and how we can hold on um, to God during these times. So, so far what we've talked about, um, we've talked about the sovereignty of God, we've talked about the goodness of God. Last week, Father Anthony talked to us about the fatherhood of God. Um, so all of these amazing characteristics of God and who God is. Um, and how we are to show our trust in Him. And if you remember, every week has been not just knowledge about the characteristic of God, but it's actually also been about action. I'm not only going to think about, you know, what is um, the, the, how can I learn about God, but I also want to understand about um, what action needs to be taken uh, to understand God more and to experience Him more. So as Katie mentioned, uh, we are actually going to talk about the justice of God today. Um, and when I say the justice of God, a lot of people have different you know, emotions, different thoughts. And I'll be honest, um, I struggled a little bit with preparing this talk. And I'm just going to be frank with you guys. Not because you know, I was questioning anything. It's because I wanted to answer so many questions that I've been hearing over these past few weeks. Um, not based on what I have to say, because there is nothing. You know, I'm not going to add anything here. Um, but what I wanted to do was really kind of help us understand a little bit more about this idea of justice um, and how it impacts our relationship with God uh, and how if we can truly trust that God is just, how that's going to impact our relationship. In everything in Christianity, um, from, you know, the very beginning, whenever we learn in Christianity, whether it's, um, you know, Christianity, we learn about anything. Everything in Christianity is a mystery, Okay. So when we learn about, you know, uh, the characteristics of God, we're not saying this is the only way to understand God's justice or God's sovereignty. We're saying that this is the amount that we can understand right now, and this amount that we can understand will help us better our relationship with Him. Uh, an example I like to think about is um, if I told you to grab an empty water bottle and go fill that, go put the entire ocean in that water bottle, you're going to say, well, that's impossible. I can't do that. And you're absolutely right. But what you can do is you could maybe study the water in, the, in, in, in that water bottle. You can go fill it up and you can come back with the water. You can study it a little bit more, learn about it a little bit more, and you'll have a better understanding of what the ocean water is. Now, you can't contain the entire ocean in that water bottle. The water bottle, sorry, is our brains. Ocean is like an analogy for God. We can't fit all of God in our brains, but what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to study a little bit more from Scripture, um, 
and, and we'll try to understand a little bit more about the justice of God here today and how that impacts um, our life. So we're going to start off a bit philosophical. So I'm just going to give you guys kind of a warning uh, up front. And, but if you stick with me, it'll get very, very practical towards the end. Say anything that we learn in Christianity, whether it's you know, theology or whatever, it's always based on not just knowledge, but action. And that's what we're going to focus on today. One question that I always hear when it comes to the justice of God. So some people, you know, are, they get scared when they hear the justice of God. But Father Anthony talked to us last week about the fatherhood of God. God's justice is actually to, you know, it's something that was, um, that was looked forward to by, by the Old Testament writers. They looked for the justice of God. They couldn't wait for the justice of God. Um, so don't get like so scared in your mind. We have to, you know, revere God and we have to love God. But he's our father. He's our caring father. So it's not something that we're scared of. Because of the things happening in the world today, um, one thing that I've heard over and over again is, you know, if God is so just, how can evil exist in the world? And I'm sure you've heard this question before, and today I'm sure a lot of people are questioning that. If God is so just, why is there so much evil in the world? I'll give you a, a little tip here when you're having any philosophical debate. You do exactly what Jesus did. You answer the question with a question. You say that the world is not just. Where does your idea of justice come from? Where does your idea of justice come from? You're standing in line. You're waiting for a cup of coffee. Maybe not these days, but in normal circumstances. Somebody cuts you off. And you say, that's not fair. That's not just. That's not right. Someone robs a bank and gets away with it. That's not fair. Not just. Murder. Not fair, not just. They deserve punishment. They deserve a consequence. And I'm not saying any of those thoughts are wrong, but I'm saying, where does your idea of right and wrong, fair and unfair, justice and injustice come from? Is it something that you've simply made up in your mind? Or could it be that the reason that you can think even in those terms is because God himself, who made us in his image, put that inside of us from the very beginning? Justice and injustice is not some nice thing, some nice feeling that you've thought of. But the feeling to want to help those who are victims of injustice is something that God himself yearns for, something that God himself put in our hearts. I'm going to share a bit of a long quote here um, by C.S. Lewis, and I'll read through it a little bit quickly. But C.S. Lewis um, is uh, a brilliant author, and he was actually an atheist, and he turned into a Christian. Um, and the reason that I'm going to share this quote, uh, it's one of the most, you know, beautiful quotes in terms of kind of, it's very logical, um, and it's not built on emotion. And I like that for a lot of reasons, but especially as it relates to these types of questions. Um, so I think he does a brilliant job, and kind of as a, a shameless plug here, this actually comes from the book that we're going to be talking about on Thursdays. Um, so, you know, this is kind of more of an encouragement to go ahead and, and start reading that book as well. This comes from us from Mere Christianity. And the quote starts uh, as follows. My argument against God was that the universe seemed so cruel and unjust. But how had I got this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. What was I comparing to the universe to, the un this universe with, when I called it unjust? If the whole show, this whole earth, was senseless and bad, why did I, who was supposed to be part of the show, find myself in such violent reaction against it? 
Of course I could have given up on my idea of justice by saying it was nothing but a private idea of my own. But if I did that, then my argument against God at the very beginning collapsed as well. For the argument depended on saying that the world was really unjust, not simply that it did not happen to please my fancies. Said in another way, if the whole universe has no meaning, we should have never found out that it has no meaning. Just as if there was no light in the universe and therefore no creatures with eyes, we should never have known that it was dark. Dark would be without meaning. It's a little bit of a deep quote there, but kind of just ponder, um, take some time to kind of think about it. What he's really saying there makes a lot of sense. He's saying, my whole argument against God, God doesn't exist or God isn't just, was because I saw injustice in the world. Well, well how did I see injustice in the world? Where did I get this idea of justice and injustice? Clearly, this idea wasn't something just made up because there's a lot of injustice in the world. The most natural thing would have been that I would have just stayed put in this evil environment and not have even noticed. It would have been like a creature who knew nothing of light. Dark would have no meaning. So that's his exact point, is the reason that we have justice and injustice, the reason that we have those, those thoughts, those yearning emotions to help those who are suffering, is because God himself put that inside of us. He made us in his image and he put that inside of us. Fair enough. So we agree, God is just, and he put that inside of us. But then that doesn't answer the question of, well, why is there evil in the world? Why is there injustice? Evil is the cause of our free will. Okay, so from the very beginning, the moment humanity decided to separate from God, to separate from the source of life, that's when evil was brought into the world. Everything that we see in the world today. And God in his infinite mercy and wisdom thought, you know, that, you know what, I'm not going to just have humanity be robots. I want to give them free will. Now, a follow-up question for, for some people there is, well, was it worth it? You know, was it worth it that God gave us free will, but now there's injustice in the world? Here's another problem. We agree that God is just. We're going to argue with God. <laughs> How arrogant is that? That we're going to argue with God. The creature is going to argue with the, with the creator. How arrogant is that? A lot of times we don't understand the things that are happening around, uh, around us, and that's okay. No one's asking to provide explanations all the time. But let's not jump to conclusions without really thinking about it deeply. A story I'm always reminded of, uh, one of my favorite stories in Scripture, is the story of Job. Um, and Job was a righteous man. He was like, God held Job in such high esteem that he was, so, he was like, it's almost, when you, when you read the story of Job, it's almost like God really talking about like his firstborn and how proud he is of Job and the things that Job has done. And Job was better than all of us combined. But even Job struggled with this idea because Job went through some really difficult times and he couldn't wrap his mind about why, why were these things happening to me? Each of his friends came and they were theological experts. And they came in, they barged in, and they said, you know, clearly you had to do something wrong, Job. That's why you're witnessing all this evil in your life. We know that God is just. Because they assume because God is just, nothing bad could happen to him. You know, and one person walks in and says, clearly this is the wrath of God. Sound familiar? Clearly this is the wrath of God. Another person walks in and says, Job, what, what did you do? Clearly you did something wrong. So his friends, not good friends, they came in speaking by their own authority, presenting some theological conclusions that were completely wrong. 
And Job really struggled. Job really struggled. And he went back and forth a lot. Um, and there were parts in it where you hear Job just kind of say, Lord, why was I even born to experience such misery? And he really struggled. Chapter 38 is when God finally appears to Job and finally responds. And God speaks for himself. He doesn't, you know, the, 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 his friends that were trying to speak on God's behalf, he says, no, 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 no. we're not worried about that. I'm going to speak for myself now. And over the next four chapters, God speaks for himself, and we're definitely not going to read four chapters here together today. Um, but I wanted to choose some uh, excerpts from, from the book. And you will, part of you may laugh while we're reading this, and that's totally okay, but kind of realize that Job is in a position where he's questioning God. And this is God's response to Job in, in the book in chapter 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Another way of other translations have that as saying, who is this who questions my authority and wisdom without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Okay, that, this is God speaking to Job. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. This is God being sarcastic with Job. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? See what God is saying there? And this goes on, by the way, for four chapters. Like this is just God going on and on for four chapters. What is God saying there? God is reminding Job, not in a bad way, but because Job had lost his way, and anytime God is dealing with us in any way, even if it's sarcasm in this situation, or sometimes it's very upfront, it's because God cares about our restoration. He wants us to be reminded that he's our father, and that he wants that relationship with us. And Job immediately repents after this um, conversation with God. God, in his infinite wisdom, does all these things, holds the universe in the palm of his hands. And we, even if we wanted to, we couldn't even understand the fairness of God fully, the justice of God fully, but we can rest assured that he is just. Another way of thinking about it, in Job's example and in our example today, we judge God's justice without knowing the facts or the results. We judge God's justice without knowing the facts or the results. Think about that for a second. Think about anything else in the world, any real-life example, where you judge without the facts or the knowledge of the results. That's crazy. That's absolutely insane. We judge without all the facts in place because simply, to be quite blunt, our mind, our brains, couldn't, don't have the capacity to hold all the facts. All the results. We are right now in a timeline of eternity, okay? So we are in, in, this, in this, if you look at a timeline in eternity, before the fact, before humanity was created, no one was questioning God's justice. After humanity, after the second coming, after Christ comes back, no one's going to question God's justice. But we're in a point now where we see evil in the world and we question God's justice because we can't understand all the facts and we don't know the results. We don't know what's going to happen with every single thing that happens. We don't know how it affects people. But what we have seen is that God, God can use all those things for good. 
An example, this is uh, to all my sports fans out there, I'm sure you're missing sports just as much as I am. So just an example, it's a dumb analogy, it's not even close, it doesn't even come close. If you're like me, you know around this time of the year, you're probably gonna watch the NFL draft, okay? And if you're like me and you're gonna watch the NFL draft, you're gonna sit down on your couch and your team is gonna either pick a player or they're gonna trade or do whatever. The moment your team makes a decision, usually what happens is, oh, that's a terrible pick. That's a terrible pick. How could they pick that player? That guy's gonna be a bust. That guy's not gonna be good. You've never watched any tape on him. You have no idea. You have no facts based on that opinion. And worse than that, you definitely don't know the results. You haven't seen the guy take one step on the football field. How could you possibly know? You have no idea. Another thing is you're watching a game. Same thing. Your coach is running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. Don't you know it's a passing league, man? Come on, get with the, get with the program. Nobody runs the ball anymore. But you don't know that the coach has in mind what he's going to do four or five plays later, six plays later, seven plays later. In the fourth quarter, the last play is actually a play-action pass, and it's a touchdown. But you didn't see that coming. Why? Because you don't know the facts, and you don't know the result. That's what we do with God all the time. We don't know the facts, we don't know the results, but we want to judge God's justice. The good news is, for us, is that we don't have to guess about the end result. The end result, we don't have to guess about that. We know that a thousand percent what's going to happen. Spoiler alert, end of the book, book of Revelation, right here. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Revelation 21, 4 through 5. Look, we want to judge the results before it's done. I know, you know, our faith is built upon a much bigger foundation. That God's going to take care of us. God's going to make all things new. Follow-up question here. So we agree, God is just. He's going to make all things new. So does that mean until then God is absent? Like, God just gave us free will, like you just said, go ahead, go play. You know, go outside and go play. Here's free will. You guys figure it out. Does that mean God is absent? God doesn't care? You can say whatever you want, but don't ever tell me my God doesn't care. You say whatever you want. That's the one thing no one's allowed to say. From the moment humanity sinned, and the moment humanity said, you know what? I choose pain, death, corruption over the source of life. From that moment, God said, well, now I have, to, you know, I have to save them now. That's exactly how God thought from the very beginning. On one side, God had, you know, uh, humanity sinned. And on one side, God loved humanity and he had mercy for humanity. He didn't want humanity to just wither away. On the other side, God said, well, I told them if they deprive themselves of the source of life, well, now, you know, I can't go back on my word. I'm not a liar. That's not justice. That's not fairness. So here's justice. Here's mercy. What am I to do? That's what our patron saint, St. Athanasius, called the divine dilemma. What am I to do? There's mercy. There's justice. And we, in our infinite wisdom, looked at God and we said, well, God, you only have two options. Your option, one option is you choose mercy. The other option is you choose justice. Those are your two options, God. 
there's no other solution because based on the facts that we have and our capacity, that's, that's how we understood it. How did God respond? Did he stick with one of the two options? He said, no, 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 I'll take mercy. I'll take justice. I'll put them together. You want to see justice and mercy? There it is. That's justice and mercy. Together. We, in our infinite wisdom, thought he had to choose. He's either going to choose us, or he's going to choose to uphold justice. That's the consequence. You chose death. And no one would have said that wasn't fair. He told you, this is life, this is death. You chose death. Sorry. From the moment we sinned, God said, no, no. I'll do it. I'll take care of it. I'll get my hands dirty. So that they'll know how much I love them, how much I care about them. We look at this picture. I look at this picture and I say, this isn't just. This isn't just. In my capacity to understand, this isn't just. Christ, innocent, sinless. Why does he have to do it? You know what's really just? I should have just died. I should have just stayed corrupted. That would have been justice. But God said, no. You want to understand justice and mercy? You want to understand me and my fullness? I'll send my son down. And not just the cross but the entire process of just coming down, taking flesh, dwelling among us, eating with people, eating with sinners, healing, teaching. Every single thing that God did was for our salvation. And salvation for us, especially as Orthodox Christians, we don't understand salvation as a one-time event. God is always working for our salvation. God is always near. God is always the just judge. He's always the just judge. That's never going to change. Regardless of the earthly circumstances that are happening around us, whether we understand it or not, we know that he's always the just judge. If you want, the only sample size that matters is when humanity sinned and Christ said, I'll come down. I'll take care of it. I'll be the just judge for them. So knowing that God is the just judge, how do we respond? You know, I don't want to make it just a lesson about us pondering about the beauty of God, which is absolutely beautiful. But God calls us to respond in the same way. God met us where we were. That was the point of the incarnation, taking on flesh and meeting us where we are at. Did you know that you're also called to be incarnational? You're also called to be incarnational, not quite in the same way, but you're also called to meet people where they're at. Micah the prophet says it this way. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. I love the phrasing of that verse right there because justice is not an idea. Justice is a verb. Love, not an idea. It's a verb. How are we to be incarnational? How are we to be like Christ? We are to meet people where they're at and to do justice, to find those who are suffering and to help. And that can be presented in a lot of different ways, like we've been talking from the very beginning. Some people need emotional support. Some people need physical support. Some people need financial support. This idea of justice, why you feel that there's, there's unfairness, there's evil in the world, is because God embedded that in you, and he wants you to be incarnational like he was incarnational. We need less thinking about justice and more doing justice. 
We need less thinking about justice and more doing justice. We can try to share our opinions online, read blogs, write blogs, read articles, newspapers, whatever. We could try to do all that stuff. That's great. God is just. We're never going to truly fully understand that. We're never going to see the entire picture because our brains are not big enough to see it. But what we can do is we can actually do justice. And that's what God calls us to do. God didn't come down to tell us, let me tell you about the theory of crucifixion. Let me tell you about the theory of resurrection. Let me tell you about the theory of healing. Let me tell you about the theory of salvation. No, I'm going to do it. And you're going to witness it and you're going to participate in it. And that's what we're called to do. If you've ever struggled with this idea of justice, you're not alone. A lot of people have struggled with it. Uh, there's an example of, of St. Anthony, and I think I shared this on, on one of the Tuesdays that we did our, our discussion, where he's asking God, God, why do the wicked prosper and the righteous are suffering? And, Christ tell, and God tells him, it's not for you to know these things, Anthony. You worry about yourself. This actually isn't good for you. What I'm saying here is not we can never think about these things. Surely we can. But our foundation and our faith is built on the fact that God is always just. And the only sample size you ever need is the incarnation of our Lord. When we presented him with two ideas, you want to choose mercy or justice? He said, no, I'll choose to come down and show you what mercy and justice looks like. And now you have to do the same thing. You have to meet others where they're at and you have to do justice. And when you're doing it, you're not doing it on your own. You're doing it with him. You're walking humbly with your God. I hope that this is a little bit helpful for all those questions that have been coming up about is God just, is God not just? Know that you're not alone in, in this struggle. But also know that no matter what happens, that God is truly always just. And we're going to look at the end of times and we're going to laugh about it. We're going to say, how could we ever even for a second doubt His justice? Look at all the things He did. And we don't have to look far, but to look at the incarnation of Christ and that God didn't just, it wasn't a one-time event. God is with us today. He's with us every day. And the reason that we have these feelings of injustice and justice in our hearts is because He put that inside of us so that we would do something about it, that we would do justice, not just think about it. Over the next few days, um, we are going to continue doing all the stuff that we are doing online. Um, but what I want to kind of encourage people to do, especially during this time, I know we mentioned that book, uh, Mere Christianity, earlier. Um, I would highly recommend that everybody kind of grab a copy of that, whether a Kindle copy or whatever. And I think that'll really help answer a lot of these questions as well. Um, but also, if anyone obviously wants to have any discussions about any of those things, you can feel free to reach out um, at any time. But I hope today was helpful to not just think about justice from a theoretical level, but really what does it mean to do justice? 